Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, how are you, man? I did comment before we uh, pressed record. I thought Nick had a green screen and some special nature virtual background going on, but that's just your backyard now, Nico. This is this is just well, part of the 40 acres we got out here at Captain Creek, just out of Agnes Water. Yeah, so um, we've made the move and we're up here for good. Beautiful, mate. I love it. I can't wait to come up there. Fill the listeners in on who our guest is today because I'm I'm very, very uh, excited to talk to him. And after you introduce him, I have a little story as well because once you said that we're having this guy on, I started sort of having memories of uh, growing up in the early 90s. So I'll go through that in a minute. Well, growing up in the 90s, uh, our guest today is Trevor Hendy, um, Iron Man Supreme from the past and now uh, doing amazing things in the, I don't know, mental health field, I suppose. Um, and But Trevor and I go way back. He, he doesn't probably remember it, but uh, I used to work as a barman at the Portsea Hotel and uh, there was an Iron Man event on down there and they asked me to be the VIP barman and, and all the... The athletes came in, and I have never seen like you look at them. They're cut, they're shredded, they're out there being so amazingly athletic. And they came. I've, it was like a swarm of locusts descending on the bar and just consumed everything in their path. It was hectic. It was absolute fucking chaos and hectic. And there was shots, and there was dancing on the. There was just Trev. What was going on back then? <laughs> Clearly, um, a lot of insecurity being, um, you know, <laughs> vented, vented in a way of feeling like we're on the top of the world for a short period of time. A great, great bunch of blokes, you know, Leachy Rido, yeah. um, Dwayne Grant, you know, um, the Mercer Boys won in our series, but actually all very close, but John yeah. O'Croix, Bill Clayton, Nathan Meyer, all those crew. And we just actually loved each other's company. And we, it was like getting a, a some sort of weird hall pass or something that you know, as the Iron Man series, you could travel around and be the center of attention and go and do your thing, which you trained really hard for. I, I would go, yeah, 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 no problems at all. Six or eight months without a drop of alcohol because I wasn't that big into it anyway. But then when they yeah. turned the park and you got the free drink cards or whatever else, and you know, it was like um, we we did everything at a hundred percent. So it was fun times. I was one, we, of the, uh, one of the best best nights of my life it was like you guys you could just feel the love and the joy and the camaraderie and I, after that i went and joined the army um and yeah. so you know I, I got to experience that a similar sort of camaraderie i suppose but it's yeah. thinking about it now um and there's so many examples jordan tiger woods um, ben cousins all these top top pro athletes who sacrifice so much and do so much as soon as they're given the green light to let their hair down you know mm. they party as hard as they train and do, do, do you see that you know in hindsight 100 percent. i was like that's why i said that that hall pass thing it was like for some reason if you like give 100 percent and you're i suppose if you're doing something like for us we were winning, winning races on national tv in front of people that were craving something different to watch rather than just cricket, tennis, golf, which was the three summer sports. And 
all of a sudden there was a bit of a bit of body, a bit of like a bit of like um, sex and attraction in the sense of they were fit and healthy and powerful young men. Then we had the women's series as well, and Carla Gilbert and all you know, Ren Corbett and all that crew. Samantha O'Brien came through, and these are like powerful, amazing women that were like you know. Mm. Carla was the Carla was on Inside Sport magazine on the front cover. She was the first athlete on the front cover because it was all cover girls, you know. And, yeah, right. And, and she's just a beautiful human, but a super powerful athlete as well. So I think just think about the time was like we've got this free pass. It's like you know, you're doing such great things, you can do it. You know, the keys to the city type of thing. And uh, do, do and you think honest, there was an imbalance? Oh, do you think do you think there was an imbalance that created it? It was. It was created by an imbalance and it created an imbalance. Yeah. So people yeah, needed yeah, yeah. heroes that they could see and live through. And then because yeah. we got to we got to do that, we all of a sudden we're getting these free passes to be, you know, out of control. Um, and yeah. w- what ended up happening was it was out of balance. And that's a lot of probably what we'll talk about today is that my biggest lessons came in my life, the most powerful things and the best days of my life came after that. The, the funnest, yeah. most very cool experiences. A lot of them were in that period of time. Um, you know, we hung out with Madonna. We uh, played on stage with the Beach Boys, toured with them. We were on Baywatch, you know, like uh, hung out with John Farnham. Like we had the most incredible time. Um, so it was yeah, a really yeah. cool experience. But it also taught me that um, even though all those people are really good people, that all those industries are all bubbles they're all they're not fulfilling mm. they're horrible they eat people up and spit them out and they they sell like people get used through that to sell more products and services to everybody else yeah. and then we all as human beings we continue the illusion that that's what winning looks like you know winning very looks ego, like very ego related isn't it yeah well, to me winning looks like someone who holds down a relationship or winning looks now or someone who manages to give freely in the community without any need for something given back to them um, or yes. they just, they, they I don't know, they show up in a way that when they're in, in a space, they enhance that space. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what winning really is, you know, now. Um, but back then, winning was being the guy that looked better than everybody else, you know, won everything, dominated. And there's no doubt that's a really cool experience and it still has a place because sport highlights excellence and, yeah. But if you see excellence as a broad subject, you go, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, right, excellence can inspire you to live your dream fully, you know. So it's got a place and it's very inspiring and they do earn the money but it comes with pitfalls because you start to think that you live in a different world to everybody else but the truth is you don't, you know. They're at that, they're at that end of the spectrum and, and I think what you're saying is you, you end up at the other end of the spectrum which creates that imbalance. But you also spoke about... Um, you know, people were, were thirsty for something different to watch, and I think this is a, a segue for Hass's story. You know, you use the word sex in there, and uh, so how, how did your how did your family experience the Iron Man series? As soon as you sent that email saying that Trevor Hendy is going to come on, that memory sparked. Early nineties, growing up down here in Melbourne, you know, being the kid, I kind of had control of the TV remote at home. And so if I was in the room, I was, yeah, I was playing more footy and cricket and I was doing whatever. And I remember multiple, multiple occasions. I might have ducked out of the room or gone outside for a bit of a play and mum would normally be reading a book or doing the dishes or something inside. If I left the room and she got the control for some period of time, I'd come in and the Iron Man would be on. 
I'm like, mom, <laughs> mom what you, I, didn't, I didn't know you were into, you know, these sort of disciplines of running and swimming and kayaking. She goes, oh, gee, that Trevor Hendy's all right. And I would say, mom, mom it's too, too much information for your son here. Come on. So she was a big fan. And it was that image, though, wasn't it? You know, big, bronze, not many clothes on, fit, um, a kind of, a bit of a, another funny one. It reminded me of a bit later with my dad, uh, a similar thing. When we, uh, I might have been a teenager and Foxtel was a new thing uh, in Australia and I was pushing them to get Foxtel and my dad's like, I'm not bloody spending money on more TV. And I ended up convincing him by telling him that all the races were on all around Australia all the time. So he's like, no worries. But I would have him if I left the room and he was watching the races, I very often came back in and that fashion TV channel would be on. And, and, and under pressure, he couldn't work the remote very fast and he's trying to go back to his racing. I'm like, Dad, I fucking know what you're doing, all right? I know what you're doing. Um, so, so back to the more deeper question. You go. I was going to say, is it, am I stealing a line from Rover Manus if I say, say hi to your mum for me? Yeah. <laughs> and what he used to say, like I haven't told her that you're coming on, Trevor, but she is going to watch this and be okay. so happy. <laughs> big, big kiss, mum. But hey, just something really quickly on that is that that I, I still these days I run into people who generally their eyes light up. And because for a while, when I when I was in it, it was like, we're bulletproof, we're kings, you know, oh, we're, this is awesome. Mm, I was mm. trying to be as humble as I could, but I was getting taken over by the idea that I'm special, you know, like it started, mm, started mm. to leave the hype, right, and and that's not mm. good. That's not a good thing. Anyway, and that cr- that crushes the, the most important relationship to you because it starts to interfere with the really important things. So eventually you have to learn this lesson. But, but then because I learned that lesson, I started to actually then think, not, I didn't really ever think this, but people started to perceive that I was thinking this, that it was all bad. It was all terrible. It was all bad, you know. But I, I started to feel that, God, it was quite an evil thing, you know. It's quite nefarious, that energy that makes you feel bulletproof and everything else because you start to use and abuse and everything else. So I had a period of seeing it as not a good thing. And then what happened was the same people would keep stopping me in the streets for years in different places and still happens to remind me that actually – the person I was before Ironman racing, which is the little kid that got taken around Australia with his family as a three- to five-year-old that grew up in Indigenous communities, playing footy with the kids, fishing for Barramundi, far northwest, Western Australia, you know, Victoria, everywhere. I travelled travelled the country with my family, connecting to country. I wanted my mates to win. I wanted everybody to win. If you're at the bar with me, it's probably why Nick said that. If you're at the bar with me, everyone was having a good time because I, deep down, even though we're out of control, it was all about I want people to feel good about themselves. So it wasn't until later that I recognised that I got dragged into that area because I wanted to feel good about myself and help other people. I wanted my team to win. So, you know, but even if I was doing it for Australia, you know, then you're trying to smash the pommies or you're trying to smash whoever else. So you're winning on one side but you're actually contributing to someone else feeling less than you. So I learned all these lessons but then just more I've run into more people like your mum or, you know, different people around the place and they go, oh, she hello. wishes. <laughs> but I run into people and they go, I, I'll be pulling into a car park and people go, I'll go, oh, you're you, you stepping out, you, you know, backing out. And they'll go, yeah, Trev, you know, yeah, Trev. Keep up the good work, mate, you know. And I know now that they're talking about, um, in general, they saw something in me. I always wanted to be a good human, but I just lost the, my way on what that actually meant because, you know, I was... Uh, and that's I, okay, though, Trev, too, isn't it? That, that That's okay. You know, people have this misconception that we need to, 
it's yin and yang. Um, it's 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 all experience and learning. You know, I've got That's my story. Ryan's got his story. We wouldn't be doing what we're doing now without all of those really important experiences and lessons. So. Yeah, yeah um, and that's and then ultimately this who we really are, life gives an opportunity for that to eventually come out. It was there when we we're born, and it will be there in a more mature, actualized, you know, awakened version. Hopefully, when we're older, and everything in between is everything we need to do to to trade that away for some sugar, you know, oh, to bring it back because I realize it's important to me, but to not be fully congruent. It's like it's just a journey to eventually. And people used to say to me. Just be yourself. I'd be like, what the hell does that mean? Be yourself. I don't even know who I am, let alone how do I be myself. What does self mean? And then later on you discover it's like, oh, you mean this bits in me that have never changed, they might have got covered over, but I care, mm. I love, I'm passionate, I'm willing, I get back up, I'm resilient. Um, and at the end of the day, I want everybody to win. That's who I actually am. You and know, how, so how do you put all these layers on? Don't <laughs> We, we put all these layers on that that mask the who am I? You know, the, the age old question. But all those layers from insecurity and from wanting to be loved and liked and <laughs> the sense of connection, and everything they sort of tend to to mask that authentic self, which is who I think you're, you're talking about. There, it's be yourself, just be the authentic you, and be really at peace and grounded within that, and loving and embracing and accepting the whole entire you know model that is nick or trev or ryan it's it's yeah. people just aren't taught that it's not it's not it's not something that we're taught from an early age be be yourself and then you know what's crazy is i i went down to a surfing event just recently and i rode down with my wife and we pulled up you know yeah my wife on the bike cruising i'm riding it like a pink girl's bike Woo-hoo, you know get down to the surfing event and i'm like oh wow this is a bubble, you know, this is a bubble. Everybody's here because it promises something. You'll look good, you'll feel good, you'll be a part of something, everything else. And intrinsically, every sport and every, you know, organisation is an opportunity for people to come together. So it's beautiful. But there's a bubble wrapped around it because we've got insecurity. And so we're trying to become somebody. So you could feel the people that wanted to be somebody by being there. And the only reason was that just for whatever reason, by working away in the background, it's just not in me anymore but it was 15 years ago i'd be at the same surfing event going yeah i'm you know maybe 20 years ago yeah mm. yeah on me yeah you know but i was the other version mm. of me you know? i was the guy with the lanyard around my neck in the vip area you know going oh welcome a legend of you know life-saving to surfing and all that and it's like <laughs> you, you know because i felt lacking in some way when someone offers you something that that will give you a similar feeling to what you're lacking in, you'll take it because you're in scarcity and there's an abundance of this, so I'll, I'll take it, you know. And so I didn't leave there, didn't ride away later thinking, oh, God, I'm, I'm awoken and I'm not part of this anymore. I just went, I rode away thinking I love all these people. Wow, what a journey we're all on because whether it's life-saving, mm-hmm. Ironman, cricket, business, the world of advertising, fashion, television. We could, you be, could be, become famous podcasters, you know, like anywhere where we're lacking something and then we think that thing gives us what we're missing, it has to be a double-edged sword, it has to fall apart later, you know. But that seems to be what life is, is to explore those things and go, oh, there's nothing I need 
from you or from anyone else. I actually need it from me. And dare I say it, connect my connection with something more divine than this. For religious people, they call it God. For me, I call it life yeah. itself. For very spiritual-minded people, they might say the universe or the mother or the father. I, I use all those words, you know. But but, but um, you 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 write you writing away from that, mate, and having that that uh, um, perspective is, is a credit to the work that you've done because there's no judgment of anyone. It's just love. No judging. Yeah, yeah, it's just, and it's um, I I know you've been super excited to come on the podcast, and you've probably gone back and listened to every episode, and 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 not quite ninety couple of this year, but yeah, ninety eight hours of. of, (laughs) Um, we we spoke about in the very first one. I came across this word years ago called metanoia, uh, and it literally means to have a psychological breakdown and then rebuild. And that's not a, it's not a, not a breakdown as in end up in a psych ward, uh, a disassociation with reality yeah. or anything. It's a, it's something I had to do. You know, eight years after the army, I was suicidal and had agoraphobia and couldn't leave the house. Severe anxiety, depression, PTSD, and everything. And, and I spent a year breaking myself down and then recon you know, all those old beliefs or taking off all the layers, and, and identifying that sense of deficiency, um, that not enoughness, I'm not enough, I haven't got enough, that's not, they haven't done enough for me, you know, the entitlement, and strip all that away. So break that down and then you get to rebuild and actually mindfully and deliberately construct a version of you that um, can just be love. And, and mm. <clears throat> Nick just frozen Neurosis and yeah. And our things. Sorry, we've all got our neurosis and our things and everything. But but in that rebuild, we can actually get behind the the, the, the steering wheel and and choose a lot more how we interact with people instead of just being on that autopilot. Uh, I love I love that word. By the way, um, was it metanoia? Metanoia. Um, metanoia. 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 Um, I love that baby in the bathwater thing too. You know, so Nick, using an example, if mm. you saw mm. one of your mates from the army, you would feel a deep brotherhood and connection with that person. So you've extracted yourself out of that thing. You no longer see yourself as that. You see yourself as this whole being on a journey and experience. Mm. But yet you still got this shared experience that would cut through with that brother that would be different to these two brothers that are here or, you know, whatever it is. And, and it's like mm, that's like mm, from it is you move away from these things. You're no longer defined by them, but they leave you with something that you gain from it. You know, so if I see my Iron, buddy, Iron Man buddies, Grant Kenny, Guy Leach, whoever else, there is a sense of love with those guys that can't be duplicated. It's different to anybody else, you know, because of the journey we walk together. Yet I'm not the Iron Man anymore. I don't see myself as the Iron Man. I don't get together and tell Iron Man stories. I can't only relate to them through the past. We we have what we have eternally and present, and I would do anything for those guys, and we do. We regularly look after each other in ways through mm. life's challenges, which, which is like, I'm here for mm. you, what do you need? You know, so it's really it's kind of classic that all these things that, that we've been through that have created definition for us, we don't lose anything. We don't lose the baby when we throw out the bathwater, and the bathwater is that I was, I was identified as an Ironman, you know, that that's – what I was, that's how mm. I saw myself to have security within myself where I had insecurity. But when I get my actual intrinsic security back and I, I know who I really am, 
oh, I still have every every bit of magic that came from it, you know. And I, that's what I hear when you say that that metanoia. It's like you break down and everything. You lose the parts of you that maybe propped you up for a while, but aren't a part of who you really are in the overall thing. But you're left with everything you gain from that, which is love and connection and respect. Well, it's, and it's, sort of, and it's sort of an it's like an ego death, I suppose, and, and you lose that need for that identity. I am an army person. I am an Iron Man. Uh, it's it's there's no I am anymore. It's just we. It's, uh, it's, it's transcending. Yeah, <laughs> I am yeah, when, a bartender at the Portsea Hotel. <laughs> Still, <laughs> when I moved on um, for a little while, um, I moved on from being the Iron Man. I became a, a counselor and a life coach and everything else, and by Moving on from the identity of the Iron Man, now I'm a life coach. That allowed the parameters of some mm. learning, but what it allowed was something could perpetuate through that I eventually had to let go of, which was this underlying thing of I am a winner, you know. And so I carried this thing around mm. that stu- I'm a winner, I'm a winner, I'm a winner. And so no matter what situation, this little this little double-edged sword would stick its head up again. Well, no matter what, I'm still a winner, you know. And so I'd lost part of the the ego and part of what the ego was tied to but the ego itself was still tangled in the need to be a winner and and you might call that say front in one of the ways i explain it i've, I've borrowed this this words from a, a wonderful lady who does some beautiful work on the gold coast but the front cover is i am a winner it's what i what i might present to the world because my back mm-hmm. cover is i'm a loser and i'm not good enough and i'm ashamed of some of the things that i did and oh, i wasn't always the winner i was actually a bit of an idiot this day and so the back cover was the deepest fear of what people might see the front cover was oh, i'm freaking awesome nothing to see here um but those two things couldn't exist without each other so as soon as i stopped being the winner i automatically showed my wounds and i just went oh no i no, i've screwed up a lot of things you know like man i i, it, I was unfaithful for trails you know lied cheated blah blah, blah. and I, I just let it come forward in a natural way where that, that was no longer had any power over me i no longer had the illusion of being a great guy that had any power and when you took away the great guy and the arsehole they're both an illusion you take them away and you end up with an honesty and truth of hey, I'm here and I'll, I'll turn up for you. I'll do my best to be here for you, you know. So the real me was stuck in between the front cover and the back cover and they were they were fighting for survival but perpetuating each other's survival, you know. And the truth is... It's I'm a really right. interesting paradox, That's isn't it? It's a, well, they need it each is. other. Crazy paradox. Can, did, you, did you find that the front cover was protecting the back cover because, because of that? the wound and the insecurity, the front cover, the I'm a winner. I mean, it, it's going to create very small parameters. Like anything happens outside of this I'm a winner parameter is going to trigger you know, some part of you. But but that, that I'm a winner, I imagine it would have been very protective of the I'm a loser. Don't don't reveal the loser. Ooh, oh, you're so onto it. I actually almost get emotional when we go straight to this subject because it's created such healing for me to be able to acknowledge this, you know, because – I was walking around unhealed. I was walking around with shame and guilt and unprocessed stuff and constantly presented. The reason I was doing that was because I felt deep down that I did. I, I was too shameful for anyone to see that sort of stuff. So I had to hide it. And hiding it, you, mm. you perpetuate the I am the winner, you know. So now I'm perpetuating mm. even more. And people go, 
because they've got their own back cover hiding stuff. They go, it's good for me. Let's all be winners together, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're all like mm-hmm. look, liking each other's Instagram and doing whatever else we're doing to perpetuate the idea um, to protect this. And then the mind, which is the problem in the whole thing, the mind actually says, yeah, because that's we don't want to. But the only thing we're actually protecting is that the mind is playing the role of the saviour. You know, the mind steps in with all the solutions all the time. And that's the only thing that's being protected is our mind because as soon as we drop it, the heart opens up and we realise I actually never meant really to do that stuff in the first place. It was like I was, geez, I was a dickhead, but I didn't step out to hurt people. I did just, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was chasing this. I got I lost my way. And you start healing it. You start seeing it from more like a natural progression of someone who wasn't, who was unconscious and aware to what was really playing out. You take responsibility for it, but you also, they call it the, um, it's something like the, it's the, it's the base level innocence that's in the whole thing that you just wanted to be loved and you you know looking for love in all the wrong places but ultimately here's the thing that i got is if you hover in that place for long enough that you're able to perpetuate the front cover and hide the back cover you build a certain false power and that false power is respect and reputation and you're leading a band of merry men down a path to do whatever you're going to do next to so we can all perpetuate this myth but what happens is later on, if somebody actually starts to act in a way that would highlight that we do have wounds in the background and we're being naughty little boys, like he's not the Messiah, he's just a very naughty boy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Does something like turns up as their humble self, unconsciously, subliminally, you reject them from the space. So when you said it creates a narrow parameter for yourself, it actually creates a narrow parameter for everybody who you allow to be in your group. So my first relationship broke right, up so- with my, my first wife saying, something's not right, and me going, well, there's no room mm. for you then, is there? Mm. Because everybody else mm. is telling me my trophy cabinet speaks the truth, you know, and it wasn't the truth. But you, you, like, the pied, you, like, the pied, you like the Pied Piper leading a, a, a band of merry men, <laughs> but it's all, you know, when you talk about the power, it's, it's, a, it's a fear-based power, and it's people, people, when they come into contact with that word power, typically – associate with it as it's a it's a force it's a strength it's a i I am i can bend or break i I am powerful but when you've done enough of this work you realize true power lies in in bearing yourself and that vulnerability and and, hey i have a front cover and a back cover and everything in between and and i i just am and and here is my heart and you can't actually hurt my heart you can't you can't hurt this heart. My heart will break, but you can't hurt the heart because it's it's just love, and love actually conquers all. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and look, mm. the other thing is that I think, and I was thinking about this before, um, and I'm mentally noting too that, that Nick and I are chatting flat out. And Ryan hasn't been able to get a word in edgeways yet. We'll get Keep to that. Going, moment, boys. Keep it, going. It, it happens sometimes. It happens sometimes. <laughs> Nick's excited. But um, but when I, you know, when we talk about power, what is power? Power is influence. You know, power is the ability to influence something. So I have the power over it, I can influence. And then when you explore something as influence, you go, well, I can influence it in many different ways. I can influence it to perpetuate the same myth that everybody's okay, but actually someone's starving down the road. The society is wonderful and a great opportunity, but actually there's more people on the street in Australia now than there ever has been in the history of, of our, you know, civilization, and particularly in America, the leader of the free world, you know, it's it's horrendous what's going on. So we get our we get our holidays back and our trips to Europe back and they open the borders back up and so we're free again. No, we're not free because 
we're, we're in a worse place than we ever were, but some of us have and some of us don't. So, so influence is the ability to walk into a space, whether it's small, medium or large, in whatever context we put that, and say, I can influence that to, to in some way. Positive influence is to come in and say, I can actually leave this a little bit better than I found it. And if I go all the way to what I basically have learnt to therefore teach is that I, my biggest problem, back to be yourself, was who is myself? Well, if I go through the layers at a body level, I'm Trevor, the guy born of Bev and Ron, surviving in the world, coming out of Melbourne, live on the Gold Coast, da, 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 that's who I am. At a mind level, I'm a guy that's won a few things. Da, 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 da. I can conquer, I can achieve when I put my mind to things I've got. So at a soul level, wow, I'm learning all about power and love and restoring love and f- screwing up love. And, you know, and, um, and I know I've came here with big ideas because I want to make a difference and I like people, everybody winning. At a spirit level, oh, actually, I have a lot of stability inside of me. I have a lot of ability to influence. And so when I come right out to the energetics as tesla said if you want to understand the secrets of the universe think in terms of energy frequency and vibration if everything's energy and it's all vibrating at different frequencies then when i start to look at myself at a spirit or a soul level i begin to go okay i have the power to influence a conversation or an interaction or a decision or the movement of a group in a way that might enhance more people's lives and leave less people you know, on the sideline left out because I'm thinking more as the whole rather than thinking as the individual, like what can I do for myself? So there's a natural progression. I'm me to um, we are connected. We share the same thoughts. Hang on. Do we share the same life force? Hang on. Are we one with source itself? You know, like, and you can keep going down the path. But as that becomes more real to you, you begin to go, how can I wake? How can I, what can I think today? and therefore act on or therefore act like that creates waveforms that are more conducive to lifting the waveforms of everybody else who's about the same things as me. And then if you look at it in science, we've gone from particle science to waveform science, so which is like particles to quantum. And they're beginning to go, oh, hang on, the, the observer is experiment. You know, so they could do this and they notice this quite this waveform thing, but then they put an observer camera and it changed the whole experiment. So the double slit experiment for anyone who has never seen it, just look up double slit experiment on YouTube and it'll blow your mind because it's literally blow your mind that thinks it's <laughs> in control. You're in, your mind's not in control. Your heart and your soul and the greater oneness is in control of everything, but it's not trying to control. You know, so we're here learning about con- the willingness to control, but not the need to control. And this is this crazy journey. It's that balance again, isn't it? It's that it, finding it's, that balance between uh, trying to influence and have that power and assert that power or just be a magnet that attracts whatever is required. I, I remember when, when I first you know, went through my metanoia and then became what I'm doing today, that version of me had this real need to go and heal the world. Oh, you know, the blindfold. Everybody. Hey, every, yeah, <laughs> everybody. Oh, you're in suffering, you're in suffering. You're, and I became like an ambulance and I'd be, I'd be yes. turning up to all these. Uh, and then, and then thankfully a, a friend of mine went, dude, just, just let us be us. And I was like, Oh fuck. Thanks man. I really needed that because there was a lot of pressure <laughs> and, and just letting go. So it's that constant ebbing and flowing. And you're talking about energy and just, um, Einstein said that balance isn't 
being perfectly still. It's like riding a bike, and it's just this the wave of the ebb and the flow. And and I find my focus for me personally is just on on experiencing those ebbs and flows, but always just noticing coming back to balance and not not yeah. being to in to in my thing. Well, and I think that's the thing is with that self-awareness and the truth and the awakening that slowly but surely you become a more balanced version of yourself because you elevate your thinking into, well, how can I be of service and make a difference? How can I go have a good time and enjoy myself? You know, like, so you're still, you're serving yeah. and you're serving um, enjoyment and enthusiasm in life. And enthusiasm is Latin for the God within. You know, you're, you're serving that, that, that life is fun and enjoyable and then you go from once upon a time I contributed to all the problems, and I've talked about this with, with Aaron Shields actually, once upon a time I contributed to all the problems, then I became aware of the ones I was contributing to. So I stopped doing that and I started getting the shits with everybody else who's contributing to the same problem. And then I, I actually was contributing to another problem, which is yeah. rightness, aloofness, and arrogance. The thing More that division. I'd I yeah. had a couple of awarenesses, so now I'm king of the world again. So, you know, it's, a, it's a fun, it's a fun trap to fall into, isn't it? Along, oh. the, along this journey, and right. I love it. I love when we notice these traps exist, and and I, you know we all have these tendencies, and, and I, through the the self awareness, uh, I know, yeah, know thyself. I think it's such a powerful sentence. Know thyself, and I know my tendencies. I know my oddities, I know my neurosis, I know um, where I tend to fall down sometimes, I know my, where I do amazing things, but the, you, you use the word double-edged sword, before, double-edged sword and, and the things I do amazing, as soon as they become out of balance, they start to have a, a harmful impact on myself and those around me as well. So mm-hmm. keeping everything in balance is, is critical to me being the best version of myself that's then not in this I have to go and help everyone because you're all deficient or bad or anything. If this is I am me and and whoever is meant to come into contact will come into contact and whatever is meant to be offered will be offered. And there's this beautiful, I'm glad I finally got there, this surrendering just to, Mm. it's it's all just going to be exactly what it needs to be. Letting go, it's so true. It's so true. have you have you listened to or read Becoming Nobody by Ram Dass? Uh, the, no, I followed, I followed Ram a fair bit, and I watched the movie. Uh, the movie Becoming Nobody, yeah, the yeah. Um, there's audio book in the audio book, and it's on one of his podcasts, um, and, and he speaks about what you were talking about earlier. It's, it's taking off the suit. It's it's yeah. we're all walking around trying to convince each other. You know, we're, we're programmed to wear a suit, and this is your suit, yeah. and and this is. You know, you begin to become a psychologist and get rich and have all these cars and planes and everything. And, and, and hi, this is, I'm Trevor. This is my suit and that's Nick and that's Nick's suit. And we convince each mm-hmm. other. And, and he talks yeah. about when you finally get to this space where you can take off your suit, it's just that the liberation. It's and when, like when, we got the suit on, <laughs> when we got the suit on, we got the front and cover and the back cover playing. Yeah, out. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. the classic examples. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually good. I get a blue with the misses and, you know, like, yeah. and uh, I'm oh, this has happened and that's happening. But we, so by having the suits, we actually, my my great friends, a couple of great friends used to say, you're looking good going nowhere. 
you know. Mm, so when mm. we're in the suits, we're looking good, but we're actually just going around in circles and we're perpetuating the same things are going to repeat the same seasons each year. And there's, you know, there's physical seasons, but there's spiritual and emotional seasons and cycles that just keep repeating until we go, yeah. oh, shit, hang on, I'm going to get honest. Well, Ram Dass also spoke about taking the curriculum and he was trying to avoid the curriculum. He didn't want to mm. learn the lessons. He just kept wanting to get high to escape it in whatever, whether it was meditation high or drug high or whatever high, sex high, alcohol high. But but he finally signed up and took the curriculum and those seasons started to change you know, in, a, in a different way. Pass, are you, are you surprised that, when, when Trev talks about this stuff and he spoke about uh, um, the awakening and whatnot and we you know, blindfold off and that, throw a number out. What percentage of people do you think go through that metanoia? You know, what, what, what percentage of people actually can take the, get to a stage where they take the blindfold off and can walk around with that greater awareness, I suppose you'd call it? Oh, I think every human being goes through some sort of metanoia. Unfortunately, most human beings rebuild themselves very similar to the version before. Um, how many people can walk around with an awareness of their tendencies and their, and their human that they're kind of controlling at this point in time? It's very few, probably. I don't know. Me and you, Nick, we talk with a lot of people who are in the similar circles. So maybe it's higher than what it is because, um, you know, when I talk about concepts on addiction or, or waking up and that kind of thing with more of like the general public, a lot of people sort of look like, like a confused puppy dog, um, mm. at, at what's mm-hmm. going on. So, but I think, you know, people listening to this show, when you're talking, Trevor about you know the front and the back cover and being able to let go of the idea of being a winner or a loser to me when you say that it's just so relaxing to be able to let go of that but for most people Mm -hmm. they're either unaware that they've got that going on or it's just their deepest core fear it's like you want me to show my wounds and all the stuff that I've done wrong and all the stuff that I feel shameful and guilty about. It just brings up so much fear in people that they'll just keep going on the same train tracks that they're on. Like what capacity or space were you in at the time or or was there just a level of futility or having to be the winner all the time where eventually you just go, fuck it, I'm going to have to um, bear myself here to be free? A bit of all at different stages. And just before I answer that, you know, Eckhart Tolle, um, was asked the question, what percentage of the pop- world population do you think are awakening? And he said, as far as I can see, 100% because they're the only people I come across, you know. Did the Cairo hold up the mirror for you and was that your moment of shit? Oh, I've got a- well, my first answer to, to Ryan's question is, is that um, – many of those things at different stages. So at some stage, just the winning became ridiculous, like as in it's killing me, you know, to try and keep up that thing. But in other stages, it was actually like the power of somebody else. So Eckhart Tolle again talks about the inner readiness, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher or the teaching will appear. We've all heard that saying. Um, But it's definitely about you've got to have enough of your own shit you know, and you've got to go down enough avenues where you try and get through it the cheap, easy, quick way, you know, before you eventually go, oh, if you've got a destiny with knowing, not everyone's here to wake up in this lifetime, you know, come here play out the game of of being capitalists full on and give us all a lesson in being on the receiving end of it and we wake up from it, you know, so they're the fairest bastard and we're the ones that wake up, you know, but but for those that do have a destiny somewhere to wake up, it's in their blueprint that they came in with. Um, <clears throat> I think it happens for different ways. And certainly for me, my I had, and this is what Nick was alluding to, 
I had shoulder collapsing or both shoulders, ice anti-inflammatories, that hip sort of in pain all the time. I had collapsed arch. My right knee was crooked. Everything on my right side in particular, which we now know when we explore, the right side is the male side. It's the it's the physical side. It's the doing side. So I'm a winner over there, but, you know, it's got a, it's, it was all giving way. Um, and then I had to explore the blocks to the feminine. So I was blocking the metaphysical and the female and being vulnerable about it. So... I had to come across Keithy Maitland, um, six foot six, big, strong lad that could handle me, you know, 10 years older than me, enough certainty, enough laps around the block to say, how are you going? And I go, yeah, yeah, good. I just need some help with this, this and this. And I'd been sent by my my manager, Jeffrey Shoecraft, and he was like, you got to go see this man. So I walk in and he tells me, he looks, he looks me up and down, checks me out, and then literally says, all right, if you want to come and see me, we've got to few things to work on what i'm firstly seeing is that you've got um, some emotional issues you've got some suppressed anger and i'm looking at him going like like this and underneath i'm going who the is this guy thinking so there's me standing there with the front cover like this in my body going oh yeah and behind me i'm pacing up and down going I'm going to fucking prove to this guy I'm going to kill him. He's going down for sure, this guy. And then my manager, um, my manager, Jeffrey, is a great mate of mine. Um, and that it's it's relevant to the story because of this is how insane the mind is, particularly the male mind, is that my manager is gay or he was my manager then. So he was gay because he is gay, but he was my manager then. And he's still one of my best mates, you know. So I often say he was gay. Well, he still is, but he was my manager. <laughs> and so... All of a sudden, my mind, and you said it so perfectly before, Nick, that the room, that mind can't make room for anything outside of that. So this guy tells me mm. I've got anger issues that are that are suppressed, and my version of that is no, I'm a nice guy. Every fucking body else is angry. You know, <laughs> I'm just trying to hold it together while they're all so angry. You what know? a projection. And, you know, and so <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I had this little thing, like I literally in the moment of it, that little spirit, that little observer, this little part mm, of me, mm. mental note to self, you do appear to be angry about what he did. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I wanted to Did that, did that crack you? Did, did that, did that, sorry to interrupt, it's a beautiful story, but did that, did that crack you then, that little, uh, the observer finally sort of sent you this observation and did, did that, was that a big stark sort of contrasting well, moment for you that, that was the first crack um but mm. what happened was i i didn't wasn't aware that that was the crack yet because it quickly closed back over so it's yeah, right. 10 minutes no, it'll take me three minutes to tell it but it's over 10 minute period from that moment he says and also you seem to be dairy intolerant he says you're some sort of intolerance you know allergy i think you might be dairy intolerant so I want you to bring back some milk, cheese, bread, a few things, and we'll just do some some field muscle testing with you, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, don't take chocolate and ice cream off me because that's the <laughs> only thing keeping me alive, you know, which is a sign of I'm I'll, I'll get angry. <laughs> my only joy is chocolate and ice cream. Don't you fucking dare take it off me. But my, if you want to come back tomorrow, bring what do you think? And I'm thinking, I'm coming back to, he said to me, I was three times world Ironman champion. I love that Jim Carrey story where he says, two times Golden Globe award-winning actor, go to bed, <laughs> well-earned shot. I dream of being three times award-winning, you know. Yeah. Um, 
I literally three times Australian, I'm the World Ironman champion, and he says, look, your body's telling me you won't win another World Ironman title unless you solve this stuff. And it was the truth. I was collapsing on all levels. And so that intervention from this man who'd done a few more laps around the block who said, hey, you know, I've got some things you could see. So I go, yeah, I'll come back tomorrow. I'll come, I'll, and I'm on the surface, I'm like, I'll come back tomorrow. Yep, I'll see you tomorrow. Yep. Underneath, I'm thinking, I'll come back tomorrow, mate, to prove you wrong that I won't win another world mm-hmm. title. So I'm going to go to him to see him so he can fix me up to win the next world Ironman title, to prove him wrong that I won't win another world Ironman title without him, which has actually proven him right. So this is how insane the mind is. I'm coming, But the ne- my very next thought as I walk out, he says, all right, see you tomorrow, and he puts his hand on my arm. I'm thinking, don't touch me. And as I'm walking out, I'm going, he must be gay. He must be gay. That's why Jeffrey sent me to him. So that's the reason I shared that story. Wow. That's what was in my my psyche at that time, a young man growing up in the surf club, don't be this, don't be that. And the truth is I love everybody equally. You know, that's who I am. I've got great space and and I've got this, this man that I love unconditionally as my manager. He's gay. I'm not gay. He is. That's how who I really am. But as soon as push came to shove, like you said, Nick, before, there's no space. And so mm. I go, must be gay like him. And like, where's that coming from? What's that all about? You know? And wow. so literally, here, here's the shit that the person that I'm not being fully who I can mm. be because that's my reason for not. So anyway, I drive down the road into what you're talking about, Nick. I drive down the road. I'm driving along furious, angry. Who's this guy think he is? Why don't I see where anyone would go and see him? I've booked him to go and see him tomorrow, by the way, but I'm driving off (laughs) over the top of Burley Hill, which came a point of awakening for me so many times. And I drove over the top of Burley Hill. And as I got to the top of it, I went, oh, I'm driving off. I must have gone like this. And I went, my shoulder's not hurting. Mm. My neck's not aching. I'm wiggling my foot. My foot's not sore. My, my back's not sore. And I'm going, and I go to myself, he didn't touch me. And then this little voice comes, because he didn't touch me, other than tap me on the arm when I left. Yeah. And the little voice goes to me, and which came in a few times in my life, and he goes, he told you the truth. Mm. And I went, and I, I, that was the crack, Nick, that you're alluding to that was mm. there, but I didn't notice yet. But 10 minutes down mm. the road, I got far enough away from the scene of the crime to actually go, whoa, and I went, I drove over Burley Hill and as I came, there's the whole Gold Coast in front of me and I went, oh, what's this? And I could, I felt peace. I felt okayness. I felt still. My mind wasn't running. I wasn't trying to be someone. I'm like, what's this? What's, what, why do I feel? Like I had joy. I had the joy that I before I tried to become the Iron Man so I'd be accepted by all the guys in the club So because I had to be accepted mm. by them and I only the Iron Man or the winner got the girl. So to get the girl, I had to win. So I was never going to be able to have love or respect until I won in my convoluted mind. So all of a sudden that mind for the first time in, that's um, 94, probably for the first time in about nine or ten years, wasn't in control for a moment. Mm. And in that moment of that mind not being in control, I felt, what life could feel like. I, I, I felt who I really was, but I didn't know that's what I was Quite feeling. Quite peaceful, I, isn't it? I was at peace. I was actually yeah. going, what the fuck is this? So then yeah. I, so by the time I drive down the hill on the other side, I'm going, I'm going back tomorrow to find out well, who, who is he? What is he? He's a genius. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, what, 
What? What? He's and, a miracle and, worker. And, uh, all, all he was was a mirror. <laughs> back to your original question. Now, him and I were speaking on the phone this morning about something. Yeah, wow. And yeah. this is not, that's 1994. So coming up to 30 years later, and we're wow. talking this we, we get together for a swim every Wednesday morning and sit on the beach on a big picnic blanket and talk for a while and laugh and share stories of things mm. and laugh at our own shit. And I think that's your ego. Like we just have a bit of fun with it mm. and then have a swim. It's really beautiful. It's an amazing mm. relationship that's on a full circle, you know. Um, but literally we're talking this morning and it was all about actually the peace of being just yourself and not trying to prove anything and be someone. And literally we're saying, wow, there's that constant challenge to not be the person that saves the day for someone. So mm. the amount of people that still walk through his office and see him as the one, it's like, mate, the challenge is to have them see themselves as the one. You're just the mirror, you know, and mm -hmm. occasionally they might come to you because they can't see clearly in the mirror. So they just need a clear mirror who's lovingly going to sit and reflect. And so we were just talking about that like 40 minutes before I jumped on the call with you, even half an hour, awesome. that, that it is about being the clear mirror for people because people are their own power. Everyone we're talking to in this podcast has can, can clear anything we've cleared and do anything we're doing and more, you know, because that's what human beings are capable of. But, but literally we just have to get together and start breaking down. And by the way, the idea, our mind, which I said was the actual problem, because it's become the driver of the bus instead of the steering wheel of the bus. And mm. the mind's actually making all the decisions based on, yeah, but you'll lose there, you'll win there, you'll, there, you'll look good there, you'll look bad. That, that's all duality. That's all mind, which creates more mind and more loss and wins. Um, but the mind says that baggage back there that you're ashamed of, oh, people are going to really judge you if they see that. Oh, yo, I wouldn't show that to anybody. That's So the mind convinces us that our wounds are actually horrible things not beautiful things you know mm. and they're in this festering pussy sores that no one should see instead of going the soul says actually do you know that the guy you're about to tell has got the same wound and he's going to get huge relief from hearing you've got the same wound in fact you're all going to be able to let this this failure go because it turns out we all did the same shit just in different different states of places being human being human and it's been interesting 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 to use the word, um, the, the wounds and the the toxic puffy. You know, I, when, when I went through, uh, before I went through my metanoia, I, I went to see my mum and I said, Mum, I don't know who I am, I don't know which part of me is me, you, my dad and stepdad, blah, blah, blah. And she just, she put, put on this Linkin Park song. And I can't remember why or anything. Mum's listening to Linkin Park. Anyway, <laughs> and at a sense, at a sense, you were saying it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Uh -huh. And and that that resonated and reached some part in it. Desperately needed to hear that. Yeah. And I burst into tears. And she just mm -hmm. held me, and she's smiling, and she's like, "I've been waiting for this day." And I'm just like, uh -huh. "But but it was like the, those wounds that were pussy and weeping just burst open, and this cleansing came through it." It was the most painful experience of my life. Mm. Uh, this, the 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 intensity of it was so powerful. Um, and when I finally, you know, the I've still got the scars, but they're not they're healed now. They're, they're not unhealed. Yeah. But I turned I turned to the septicemia of the emotions. You know, mm. when when you, you know, if you go surfing, you get a coral cut or something, you can get septicemia, and other parts of you start hurting. 
I noticed when when that inner child and you know, the young version of me was carrying all these un, unhealed wounds, it was deeply affecting other parts of me that weren't wounded, but that poison was just poisoning everything. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was it was just horrible. Um, you know what's so really interesting not- when you when you say that is that that's that moment for everybody listening to us at the moment where we all pause and recognize and go, shit, we're all one. We're all, we're yeah. all related. You know, and I often relate to the story of the heroin addicts. You know, it's two things. I talk about the person in a coma and the, and the heroin addict. The heroin addict is, has felt the joy of this drug that makes you feel euphoric and alive and free of any problems for a short period of time. And that period gets shorter and less intense and you have to have more and more and it gets more dangerous. But I don't want to go back to that pain, so I go towards this pleasure, you know, I go towards this relief. Mm. And it's not till you hear, because I've done a lot of counselling and as you guys have, you know, it's not till you hear a heroin addict tell you why they really did it that you totally understand. It's not a person making bad choices and being an idiot. It's actually a person that was in deep pain that was looking for relief to that pain and through a set of circumstances they end up this thing felt like it was the relief to their pain, you know. So, and of course, long term, it's a horrible solution because short term it is too, but long term, it doesn't lead to anywhere great, you know, except great realizations for people and they might become incredible at helping other people not get down that path. But, but when they actually stop and they have to go through cold turkey, they have to feel in an intense short period of time all the pain that they put off. It's so intense. It's like dying. They, they just don't think they're going to live through it. It's the most intense, ridiculous thing, not because of anything other than that's what they didn't deal with over that long extended period of time is waiting. It's all psychologically, cellularly, you know, waiting for them emotionally just trapped in that place to feel it. And so I, I just see it the same as we're lucky when we think, oh, God, I have to, might have to deal with some emotional baggage and I've been avoiding it for a long time. It's nothing compared to covering that up with substances forever and ever and ever and having to add to that as well. And even someone who has done that, if they've done it, they have the power to turn it around. They have the power to change it because the universe doesn't give you a problem that you you can't handle, you're not big enough to handle. Mm -hmm. So if someone listening has been through that, you can stop and feel everything that you're not feeling and you will make it because if you're hearing this, you're ready. You know, you've got the inner readiness, you know. But for most of us... we make a big deal out of the fact that I've got some emotional stuff that I'm hiding. It's not actually a big deal. It's just some stuff to be felt. But it busts open the pathway of your heart and you have huge compassion for everybody else and you stop being an ass that thinks you're better than everybody because you go, I can see you and me, I can see me and you, and then there is no other, you know, and that's what I think ultimately it all occurs to have the healing. There is no other because that points to the great truth that we are all one. You know, and the great deception is we are separate, competing for resources, and that could be money, job, you know, whatever. But it's also love and understanding and recognition. We're competing for it, so That's it's so all healing. It but, is. So, no, no. What well, what you're saying there is when when there's no other, then there's no blame anymore. And when we're blaming, yeah. we're stuck. And most people are stuck in blaming, whether it's themselves or somebody outside of them. I'm very glad you brought up the drug addiction one. My history is drug addiction, and and I've worked with many addicts yeah. over the time. And what you're saying yes. is exactly correct. It's like, you know, yeah. ask a heroin addict what they feel the first time they shot heroin, like a big hug from mum. They felt love. Yeah. Right. Yes. And so they, yeah. they end up, like you said, this, this short term solution, it definitely is a solution, becomes very yeah. disastrous 
long term, yes. but society now needs to really reframe the way we look at this because they say, let's just stop doing the drug and you'll be okay. Yeah. The drug isn't the problem. The lack of love inside <laughs> is the problem. So if we weren't there, the byproduct yes. is I don't need to use the drug anymore because now yeah. I'm feeling that. And, and for me and for <clears throat> many people I've worked with or heard who've been through addiction, the drug taking stops the minute that void is filled through something that isn't external. And, and you spoke earlier in the podcast actually about the, you know, the being in scarcity. And when someone offers you something mm -hmm. that might fill that hole inside, of course, you're going to say yes. It's the roots of addiction, right? And, and we yeah. think of drugs and alcohol, but money, fame, uh, relationships, shopping, all of those kind of things are addictions as well. And they come from this deep void inside. And I think the core of whether it's addiction or you're helping someone who's going through a breakup or has relationship issues or they've got clinical depression is where does this void come from? And how can we start to work through those wounds and fill that? Because like you said, Trevor, as soon as people sort of take the first few steps of dealing with this emotional baggage, they're like, oh, fuck, I should have done this years ago. <laughs> this isn't as as daunting as what I thought it would be coming into this. And then we get to a point where it's like life, is. life shows us where we're stuck and we're like, <laughs> bang, I can work through that. I can work through that. And it's exciting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so are you no. saying we should work on the root cause of things instead of just trying to stick band-aids on the symptoms? Look, see how you go covering it up for a decade or two, and then we'll see. Yes. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Interesting <laughs> theory. That's a novel Tested. thought. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to throw a couple of things in here. My old teacher, Colin, um, he used to say uh, at the base of every dysfunction is the desperate need to be loved, understood, or acknowledged. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's so true, oh, except for that one. But no, you dig down, if there's dysfunction, if there's disconnection, if there's disillusion, at the bottom of it is a desperate need to be loved, understood, acknowledged. And it's like, well, our natural state is love, understanding, acknowledgement. I see you. I see what you're doing. And I'm with you. That's love, understanding, acknowledgement. You know, that that's that's right there. So that's who we act naturally are when we're not in this divided world of this illusion of resources being scarce this illusion, whether it's love, whatever else it is. So there's so much separation, but the very first separation that occurs is that we are, let's just say, spiritually throwing a viewpoint out. Our, our spiritual energy is one with source, and then we're born into this world where we drop, we descend into this world where everything's in duality, good, bad, right, wrong, winner, loser, mm. success, failure, fat, skinny, dumb, smart, rich, poor, you know, cool, uncool, good enough, not good enough. Like it's all duality. So this it's is like black and white, isn't it? It's the fall from the gods. So it's all an illusion built by judgment, mm. built by mm. a, fra a fabric of mind. So as, as a child, when we're a little young child, our, we hold, when you hold your baby, when you you know one of your kids when they're born, they're looking at you and they smile at you, and then next minute they're looking over your head, and they're looking and, and they're smiling at something in the corner of the room, and you go. There's nothing there, you know, and they're, mm. they're, so they're connected. They're feeling everything that's in the non-physical. And as we know, in the quantum world, even in the world of light, what we see is 0.3% uh, of the of the actual phenomena that's affecting us moment to moment. It's like 99.7% mm. of the phenomena that's affecting us is unseen. So what we see is literally mm. the the tip of the iceberg, you know. So my, my great teacher used to always say, Look, the solution is to realize you are a spiritual being having a human experience. When you do that, rather than a human being one day might have a spiritual experience, it just, it, what does that even mean, a spiritual being having a human experience? It just means that you are vastly intelligent. 
You've got resources around you don't even realize you've got yet. Uh, beyond your body and mind is, a, is, is some emotional gateway into a soul and a spirit that's actually we all think much the same. We all care. We all want similar things. Our basic personality is much the same when we're born. We hug everybody. We kiss everybody when we're little one, two-year-olds, but we'll, we'll shy away from someone that walks into the room with a negative agenda or a bit of, and, oh, it's a bit weird, you know, and then some that mum might say, oh, that child never goes to men, but comes straight to you. Why is that? You know, I often walk into the room and kids will come straight to me mm. because mm. I've got the inner child back, you know, and there's an innocence there. And if I'm in my head, they'll go, but if I'm in the moment and I'm, which is whatever day it is, you know, whatever moment it is, um, they'll, they'll be like, and they'll come to me because it's like a hug from the mother, even though it's a, it's a man, because there's this person mm. picking them up saying, I see you, you know, and in Nick's story before, he said, I got a hug from my mother. You know, what's what the heroin addict's craving? The feeling feels similar, but I couldn't get a hug from my mother because I can't tell her what's actually going on in my life or my world or she's not there at all or whatever it is. So, but when I bounce it around, I come back to, well, there is a mother earth. There is a mother on this planet. There's a mother energy. Anyone that's done um, ayahuasca ceremonies and sacred, you know, like um, plant medicines and everything will say, I met the mother, you know, and I, like what? And she healed me and she hugged me and she showed me my whole life. And then there's a father energy, which is more like that father, father, heaven, mother earth, you know, which is just in the background holding the whole structure in place for us to get our lessons. But the reason I point it all out is because my great teacher said, Einstein said, um, you cannot solve a problem on the same level of mind it was created. It was roughly translates to that. I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something like that. On the same, plane, that, on the same plane that it arrived. Plane. He said it a few different ways, and then they were talking about, you know, and, and um, uh, was it Freud said the same thing or something like that? They, um, Jung said some interesting things, but, but literally my teacher used to say, when you have a solution to a problem without a change of awareness, the solution must eventually become the problem. And what it means is if you haven't realized you're one with everything and realized that by being separate, you created a fight for something and that's where the problem started or you created a, the illusion of scarcity or separation or um, the need to prove myself. If you, if you haven't got the self-awareness to shift how you created the problem in the first place, even though they seemingly did it to you and the law tells you they did it to you and they should pay you compensation, if you haven't got the lesson for how, what did I learn from that? How did it shift me out of that level of thinking up to another level of thinking and dare I say awareness, which might be, oh, I'm a creator, I'm a manifester, what I focus on grows, you know. If we haven't got that level, whatever we have is the solution. So I became the Iron Man, so I would be loved. So I became something, I became not myself, so I could be loved because if I was loved, I could actually be myself. So if I was loved, I'd feel mm. good enough as I am. So I turned myself into something else to feel good enough as I was. And that could never work because it's like, how can you become someone else to be comfortable in your own skin? So I had to actually eventually, yeah, I eventually had to that, let that all drop away. And the people that saw me as the Iron Man go, I can still see you. And it's like this me <laughs> saw through that. They actually saw this young yeah, humble yeah. kid that wanted to have a crack and was willing to screw a few things up. And and have I got all the answers? No fucking way. You know, like, am I closer than where I started? 100%. I see things much more clearly. Yeah. And there's 
things that I'm seeing making my life better, 100%. Am I impacting my other people's lives positively? Am I positive wave in other people's lives? Seemingly, that's what I get told, but does it feel like that's why I'm doing it? I, I feel like I'm just trying to be true to myself, you know, back to what we talked about. But who I am is actually not this guy that wanted to win. It's this who I am is this guy that wanted to learn about winning and I wanted to learn about winning on all levels so I win at all costs so I could explore power from that place and then I could learn about win on all levels so I could explore power from a place of power is something we collectively share that's the power to transform this whole experience when we're ready, you know, when enough of us are ready, the whole thing will change. A couple of things, mate. It's it's, it's beautiful listening to you and, and you know, coming into contact with such a like-minded, like-spirited, like-soul person is, is always a blessing, uh, which I'm very grateful for. You spoke, a, um, you're just a, a spiritual being having a, a human experience, and when you can reframe it and look at it through that lens, it, it shifts so many things for people. But I think when you when you can start looking at yourself as multi not dimensional, but multi layered. Yeah, yeah. multi layered, lots of different. I'm, I'm a heart, yeah. mind, spirit, soul, body, and, and I'm, I'm not just Nick. Yeah, but, but I'm yeah. all these different things and got all these different elements to me. Uh, I'm multi elemented, yeah. I suppose. It, it's, it helps It helps enormously just because you can start going, oh, oh, well, that's, that, that's over there and that's over there. And it's not, it's not all compounding and conflicting. And, and I had a client come in once, and you, you just said before, um, you see things clearer. And, and a client came in, and being the non-judgmental mirror that I am, I just said, oh, can you see this and can you see that? The first step to change at MindFit is awareness. Um, and and she and finally, she started seeing things clearer. And at the end of the session, she goes, it's like coming to the bloody optometrist. And, you know, when they got the, the letters <laughs> on the board across the other side yeah. of the room, and she said they were all blurry, but now all you've done is change, help me to change the lenses, and, which are her, which, yeah. which are her, her distortions. And she's not looking at herself firstly, and then everything else through these distorted Coke bottle lenses. She's actually got the right lenses, which she can see mm-hmm. her authentic self and be completely madly in love with that. And she can see everyone else past their egos and identities and, and whatever their suits they're wearing and they can just, her hearts can now connect to their heart. And uh, it's just, it's such a, a, a blessing again, just to, to have gone through all of those experiences and you boys have done the same and to be in a position where we can be of service to other people now and can, can just guide people on those journeys. Uh, totally. And you know what, mate, I, you know, when I say, oh, realisation that I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, that's just made life in all of its dimensions more enjoyable because it's just the mm. background of the whole thing is that the default thing, actually my default setting is now I'm, I'm actually a spirit that can make a difference, not I'm a bloke trying mm. to find a way to get what I want and feel better by tonight, you know. So in the in the end of it, what's happened is I'm not when, when it comes to dinner time, I, I don't go, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, I don't need to eat. You know, what I, what I go, <laughs> then I'm hungry, you know. But the, the, the thing that's changed is I'm I'm not craving the ice cream or the chocolate anymore or the, you know, because I've, I'm not yeah. craving the comfort foods because I feel more comfort. I, I have more love in my life. I have, you know, it's just it's just like my wife and I laugh 
hard at each other and with each other. We can role mm. play each other. So because we're still on the journey to, to you know, mm. to, you know, to talk about the mirror. Well, we're the mirror for each other's blind spots, you know. So I might be a bit clear in that. I might be a bit clear in that area. We laugh when we see it, you know. It's amazing when two healthy, emotionally healthy people can connect and create that dynamic within their relationship. But you keep talking about your teacher, Chris. Like, what can you just speak briefly about? So, so you had um, the the Cairo, I forget his name, you know, reflecting, and you cracked open. Where, where, where did you go then? Where did you go after that? To, yeah. Well, the teacher, was, the teacher was um, was Colin. He probably disguised his name in your head. He's moved on. He doesn't really want to be named that much. But he's um, he was all about that. He was about people powering up. He didn't want anyone else to know about him or have a reputation. I think it was quite a fascinating guy. But what I found after I went to Keith was, uh, you know, the next next teacher or teaching appears, you know, and so mm-hmm. I found myself um, doing that personal development work and deep weekend work and seminars where I could go and process this emotion with other people that had the same stuff and through that a series of teachers or comrades on the journey. For, so for moments they were holding the space but then later I might have held the space for them and vice versa and now we, we run into each other, we just look after each other, you know. It's whoever can see the most in the situation holds the space and the other one just vents and gets some shit off their chest, you know. But mm. <laughs> it was a journey of all of a sudden finding more people that were like-minded that held the next piece of the puzzle a bit more clearly than me. And then I'd bump into that, them and by virtue that they could see the truth in that situation, spend a bit of time with them and then I could see the truth. Like it, like you said, the optometrist, I could yeah. see the blurry lines more clearly. And if you had a series of lines, they don't all become clear at once. It's usually one line at a time down until you can see the finest print, you know. And the fine print yeah, is... Yeah. You are a spiritual being. You're one with the source. You know, like experience. But it's going to be well. But, but, but fall, fall in love with taking the human experience as well. You it know, shows it's, it's, it shows that you volunteer. Well, that's what we're here for. You miss the hurt, and you want to come back and feel the pain again. You no, sign on the dotted line. I hate people hurting you. Your spirit starts laughing. You start going, "Oh, I do." Someone will, say, you know, when you're at that level, you can say to someone. Is there part of you that really enjoyed that you learned that whole thing and they start smirking and they go, and you, go you were capable of handling this the whole time? And they go, I suppose I was. I've always been that person that takes big, takes on big challenges. At the start of it, an hour before that, they're telling you it's the worst thing in the world. Matt <laughs> deserves to die and da 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 And then afterwards they're going, oh, my God, I manifested that whole experience, didn't I? You know, now that's a, that's a big stretch to go from there. But when you go through that conversation, you realise Oh, I'm not a victim, you know, and I love it, Ryan, when you said earlier about blame, that, that it, this reaches beyond blame. And blame is another addiction because we're doing it without even realising we're doing it. And what's happening is blame becomes a way of pushing away a bit of pain. So I've had the pain of somebody feeling as though it's my fault, to, you know, oh, I'm going to be shamed for it or whatever. It's their fault. So blame becomes a way of feeling off the hook for a moment, which is no different to heroin or sex or money or power or a holiday on an island or whatever it is. So it's just these are all addictions, you know, but ultimately the, the reality is is that we're all connected and we can create whatever we want to create. What are we focused on? You know, yeah. what are we thinking about all day at conscious and subconscious and unconscious levels? 
What are we trying to avoid? Because what you're resisting is going to persist. What you resist persists. What you focus on grows. What you judge, you become. What you fight, you strengthen, you know, but what you appreciate, appreciates. So this is where that gratitude thing could be such a, a dicky spiritual practice to write down what I'm grateful for each day till you start actually doing it. And then you go, oh, my God. You have listened, you have listened to our podcast. I was going to say, Nick, we've definitely got a like-minded spirit here. That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> we spoke about this on the podcast. Stop right. doing the gratitude, listen, to learn to live in gratitude and experience <laughs> gratitude. Hey, Trev, I mean, we're going way over time, but so be it. Um, you, you trained your body to, to achieve amazing things and – um, you know, my business is called MindFit, and when people mm-hmm. come into contact, like, well, what, what is it, MindFit? Well, we're going to train our mind. We're, we're going to, you know, don't be a slave to the mind. We're going to train it, get it in shape, yeah. and get it healthy and constructive. I, I, I've worked with AFL players and Melbourne Cup winning jockeys and high uh, Olympic athletes and everything, and I say to them, how many hours have you put into training your body? Oh, Thousands, tens of thousands. And what has that given you? Oh, Olympic medals or this or adoration. I'm like, great. What are you here for? Oh, my husband this or this person and my mum this or my dad this. It's, it's always everyone else has the problem. It's never the person initially. I'm like, oh, what are you really here for? Okay. Well, how many, how many hours have you spent training your mind? How many hours have you spent actually trying to get mentally fitter? And I, I always love the, the blank look on their face. The, yeah. the, the what, Nick? The, the what? How many hours have you spent <laughs> developing the Lynch, part Lynch, of you that, <laughs> that controls the rest of you? Okay, you can do that. So, I mean, is it, is it, does it, I don't know, how, how, do you, how does it sit with you that so many people uh, are so focused on their physical health instead of their mental slash spiritual health? Yeah, mate, I, this is a, such a beautiful subject and I see it all because, I, I, as I said, I come from the reverse now and seeing it all as spirit. So, therefore, I see yeah. it as all, all as intelligence. Like a, we're all we're in all intelligent life forms. So there's different ways that intelligence can come through. And if I look at the ways that the intelligence comes through the human organism, it's actually through the two major ways are through the head and the heart. You know, they're the two major ways that we most most profoundly need to deal with. Intelligence comes through the head and the heart. Intelligence is already in there making me breathe without even thinking it. So is that in my head or heart? No. So there's the whole lot of int- autonomous intelligence making my blood flow, sending what it, you know, that's white cells to being when I cut myself. There's intelligence is doing incredible things all around me, you know, all the time. I've got prickles and goosebumps when something's true. I've got a closed over feeling when something's not true. So intuition's there. And so there's many forms of intelligence that's actually we're interacting with all the time. But the two that are the most obvious to work with is head and heart because we go, well, heart is where I love everybody and I want everything to be better for everybody. And and I, I believe in greater things and goodness, goodness for all. And the head says, well, I believe we can achieve that and we, we really have a crack at it and we knuckle down. Da, da, da. So the mind at its best, that's why I said the mind is a terrible, it's basically it, it's become the steering wheel in most people's, sorry, the driver in most people's lives, but it needs to be the steering wheel. So as soon as you say let's train your mind, we're actually saying train your mind so your mind is something, which is a really cool thing because actually you are not your mind. You can train it. You can get control of it. You can become part. And the more we get control of it, the more we start to see, 
so what's this is what's this intelligence that's rising behind the training of my mind i'm starting to become aware i'm laughing i'm giggling i'm why do i feel light and buoyant and everything else it's like that's just spirit you know so so training the mind i love it because what it does is that if we train the mind really well we have to lead to an awakening because mm-hmm. the mind now we train the mind to focus on the things that are conducive to our growth and our greater good and which aligns us to our heart and so all of a uh, sudden uh, the mind and service to the heart you know and that's so to me, I find that's an untapped resource and I often say to people, the mind is a, a terrible master but a wonderful servant, you know. Yeah. But because you're in fear and you've backed away from some emotions because your mind says it'll look after it, hey, come over here, we just won't trust anymore. We'll we'll build an empire so we have to deal with dickheads like that. Or <laughs> The mind always has a solution but it always the mind always finds a way around the problem. The heart says, let's go stop in the middle, hop in the middle, understand them understand this own it all as oneness and move beyond it and that's when the mind is used really powerfully i, I say the mind is like a, a one meter by one meter square and usually yeah. because of because of our conditioning and and you know whatever uh, the ego is usually driving the mind and when we when we do this mental training, uh, Dalai Lama calls it taming the mind through meditation and and you know creating different neurological pathways and thinking patterns and everything. Then the the heart, you know that that one meter starts shrinking down to sort of like a ten centimeter by ten centimeter, and the heart's been sitting behind it the whole time. <laughs> and so when when you create this emotional intelligence. Uh, of getting the heart and mind to to work in a beautiful unison together without the ego, without the ego being involved, that that intelligence just on so many levels, your intuition is on point. It's not a because it, it's like the the difference between hunger and thirst is is so similar. Same with anxiety and intuition; they're equally close. And and some people feel this, hear this voice, and go oh, or feel the sensation. But most of the time, it's a primal fear-based mm. anxiety response because I'm under threat here. And so, but they mistake that for their intuition. And he goes, oh, but I feel this way and therefore I'm going to base a decision on that feeling, which is actually fear-based, which is actually going to create more separation and segregation. I'm never going so, to talk to you because my intuition tells me that you're not good for me. Yeah, yeah, and that's actually anxiety. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's just just doing that work is is for me so fundamentally important. I, I don't know if you guys are feeling the same thing as we're chatting about it, but just while you were talking, then Nick, I could feel that even as you clearly outline that this this mind shrinks down, and then the heart starts to emanate beyond it, and so the heart becomes the senior informer of the situation, and the mind becomes the junior informer. You know, mm-hmm. and still there to serve in, in whatever way, but it's not actually, we're not filtering what's going on through our mind. We're filtering it through our true intuition. And as mm-hmm. you're talking, I just felt this expansion in myself. I felt light and like, whoa, like, ah, oh. mm-hmm. there's no doubt this is where we we're meant to get to in this conversation. At some, This is somewhere where we round off because we're like, this is what it's all about. This is actually mm-hmm. feel this feeling because I just felt enlightened as in take the dicky yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. I felt yeah, yeah, light yeah. and I was light, feeling lighter and like, whoa, spacey while you're talking yeah. about it because you spoke about the, the biggest truth is that the problem is the mind's in control and the heart's been silent in the background. And that just let the heart I, 
Cool. When I started talking about it, I observed myself creating that thought around that and my mind was blowing as I was saying it because I'd <laughs> never I'd never spoken that sentence before. I'd never created those words to form that <laughs> sentence before. So it was this beautiful experience for me. And I'm yeah. so stoked that you had that experience as I well. I felt it. I felt it. Because so, like, <laughs> inspiration is Latin for the spirit within. Enthusiasm is Latin for the God within. And this is who we are. Like we're meant to bring these truths through. They're universal truths. We didn't invent them. They're just like we're embracing <laughs> learning them and bringing them through. But when they come through, everybody goes free. There's probably people listening right now going, yes, guys, like, yes, this I felt that. I, I feel that, you know. And other people go, what the fuck are you talking about? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like talking about being an antenna that slowly breaks the crust off. You know, yeah. our spiritual intelligence is an antenna that's picking up on all these other cues that I mentioned before, 99.7%, blah, blah, whatever it is. That's just some figure someone's thrown. Who knows what the actual truth is, but it's a great start. <laughs> but, but as we break the crust off with the, uh, the possibility that that's true, that we're breaking, wow, we're we picking up on all this other stuff. As you were talking, it was like, Oh God, I feel free and I feel home and I feel alive and this is what mm. I live for. I don't I don't live mm. just to be at the beach fishing, you know, feeling the peace mm. and the one of nature which I love. I would do that all day. But I also equally live for the moments where I get together with a couple of mates and we talk and we come to a point where you go, How's what we just stumbled upon in our conversation today? Mm. Like how's mm. what we realize, which is realizing it. We're looking through real eyes, you know, not the the deluded eyes, and we're actually yeah. bring it into the into reality for us. Our reality changes, and we. Thanks, mate, for saying that because I can feel that, and it validates what I was already feeling. You know, well, re realized beings are called realized beings because of all the realizations that they've had, mm. the realness, the the reality of what is. You know, the, we've done a lot of. I teach vipassana meditation, and vipassana translates to seeing things as they are. And it's uh, just just sitting in the reality of what is instead of the reality of what should, could, or would ideally be happening mm. according to our biases and preferences. And it's it's just you know when you when you when you get into the realness of it and you're mm. connecting on that you know on that amazing. Oh, it's just it's it's so nourishing. Like I'm I'm going to no. spend the rest of the day just. <laughs> I'm going to buzz for that. That's a good word. I feel like as if what a day well spent. I could have the rest of the day off today now because I'm like, yeah, what same. I, I've contributed to the world today. <laughs> Let's all take it off. <laughs> day off, everyone. I'm, I'm going to go and sit on the – I'm going to sit on the mower and mow a couple of acres <laughs> for a couple of hours. So. I probably actually will go fishing. But but it's it's, it's the final <laughs> thing is I, I do want to say that doesn't it sound so dicky when you say – a realized being it's like yeah this all this stuff is can be so convoluted and such bullshit and such awakened like there's an element of woke you know awakened oh, uh, yeah. you know da, 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 da. and it's like absolutely that is a false light too you know to be hovering around with all the things i've realized being wonderful is bullshit you know the, the truth is are you making a difference? Are you more happy? Are you in more contentment? Are you pumping out some decent energy that makes a difference to people? Do you create more lightness or more heaviness when you walk into a room? You know, if you are creating heaviness, that's totally okay. Have you asked for help to clear it? You know, if you're creating heaviness, that's not a, that's nothing. That's not a problem. Just decide that that's not the person you want to be anymore that actually becomes part of the weight in the world and that you want to be part of the alleviation in the world, you know, and that's like, 
and then do the journey, do the work, do the curriculum. I, TJ and I, my son, who's, you know, an Ironman champion on the circuit now, we're chatting the other day and he had a win pretty early on, ended up on the back of the Nutri-Grain box, which is a bit of a miracle after being the, the son of a gun, you know. Mm, it's mm, hard yeah. to going to make it anywhere near the top of the field. Oh, but genetics and everything else, no, there's a lot more going against you when your father's done it really well, you know. So it's kind mm. of... It, he did amazing to to have wins early and get on top. So he's talking about how when he won, the f- oh, I just want the feeling now. But you know, mm. what's the work that led up to having the breakthrough, and what did it teach you? And back to what you know, um, Ram Das was talking about about through the curriculum. I just want the high feeling. Um, mm. Is that I look at it like a clock, and we just this like you had the picture of the square. I had the picture of the clock with him the other day. I said, teach. The experience you want is the 12 o'clock experience. We all love the 12 o'clock experience. In fact, we're working all day to get the 12 o'clock experience where it hits the top, points north, and we're having Yeah, we, we want to feel good. But the 12 o'clock experience, they will happen and they get bigger and better if you're willing to have the 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock of every different level of reality. So each level, you've got to have all the experiences so you can have the 12 o'clock at that level. So I've taken on a new sport. To have the 12 o'clock at that level, I've got to have all the experiences and be willing to do the work. I've taken on a new business. I've started a podcast. Whatever it is I'm doing, I've got to have all that. So basically what came to me was the challenge is your avoidance of the 6 o'clock. So mm-hmm. you're going to find yourself mostly avoiding 5, 6, and 7 because they point the furthest away from the experience that you want to get. Because in the moment of having a tough conversation with your ex-wife about what you're going to do with the kids, you know, and you haven't wanted to speak to her, that six o'clock talk feels like it's going the exact opposite way to why I left that relationship because I didn't, I wanted to feel better about myself or why she left him or he left her. So the six o'clock experience has to happen for you to have the 12 o'clock experience. That doesn't mean deal with the pain, stomach it up, and you'll get back to 12 o'clock. It just means be with that and understand there's a go- there's gold down at 6 o'clock there. It looks like it's pointing the opposite direction, but it's not. It's just giving you what you've avoided and confronting it so you can finally be with it. And then you go, oh, that wasn't that bad. It's good to see her doing well. She actually looks quite happy. And then you have a 7 o'clock experience. It doesn't point 180 degrees from the opposite way, and you go, well, I will follow through that thing and I'll give, I'll make that payment to her that I hadn't made, you know, because yeah. I do wish her well. And then 8 o'clock comes up, which is not as far away and it's coming further around. It's like, you know what, and I'll, I'll just see if she wants to have the kids, you know, that day I was going to have them or I'll take them off for a day. Just using one example that's just for, for whatever reason popped into my head so someone must be listening, you know. They're gonna <laughs> like, Definitely. And then 9 o'clock goes, you know what, I think she might actually be partly with me because she just sent a text message saying it's good to see you, I'm glad you're doing well. 10 o'clock's here, 11 o'clock, holy shit, I don't have to run an avoider anymore. I'm at 12 o'clock and I can <laughs> be with my new partner that I've chose to be with without the guilt of, you know, uh, you know, all right, hang on, I'm going back to six again next week and we one o'clock, we work. And so we stop trying to stop the clock at midnight or midday where the peak experience is and saying, let's just pause it here. It's like you have to keep going around that clock to get the peak experience each time. And, and for Teach, that was going swimming training in the pool. And he goes, mm. Dad, that's my six o'clock. It's mm. my six o'clock. I want to be in the ocean surfing, winning, with all the spoils coming, traveling the world, getting free whatever, da 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 
six o'clock is the exact opposite of that because I'm no one. I'm bumping into people. I've got a black line next to me. I'm tumble turning at the. Opposite. I'm going up and down the same ground over and over again. It stinks of chlorine. I'm baking tendonitis for myself, and I get out going. Is that what I really want to do? And it's like, what happens when you're there? You actually build the foundation for when you are in the ocean next time to fly. And when you fly, people go, "Hey, I'd love to get you to help me do this," and and your whole mm. world grows from the fact that you found a way to tap into something that's meaningful. So six o'clock pass is on to, your pass on to, dog. Pass on to TJ that you can't have the dog without dog shit. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're hardwired to run away from discomfort because we we, we, we want to survive and, and be alive. But it's um, when we when we keep living in this aversion and desire, aversion and desire, we're just going to go around in circles and get pretty stagnant. So... What a wonderful have role model that. he's got. And, yeah. and also, um, but what you can do is you can close the back door and the curtain so you can't see the dog shit and pretend that it didn't happen. <laughs> it builds up and the wife yells at you, hits yeah. you with a pot over there and goes, oh, so you said you'd look after that dog. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. So we can, we can pretend that we don't need to pick it up for a while. But, yeah, it, and that's the beautiful thing, I suppose, about going through my own change and awakening for all those blokes out there is the more I've done it, you know, the more I've actually explored it, the more I can talk about it, be open about it, but the more my sons and daughters and my friends and family can say, I'm str- the more I can spot the struggle in them and the pain in them, the more I can say, you okay? And the more they can tell me what's going on and I don't freak out and go, let's try and fix it. I go, yeah, yeah well, I know, I know you can fix it. So, you know, so I now have a relationship with my kids that is one that they're, you know, world travellers that are doing their own thing and they know that whatever shit they get in, they can get out of and, that they know intrinsically that they're here to make a difference in some way, shape, or form, and and the rest in between all that is like a journey to explore. So we can have these conversations, and it's so amazing to be feel so close to my kids at 34, 27, 24, and 19, and mm. still be feeling like I'm exploring my own childhood, you know, and we can laugh and swear and carry on. It's, it's a hilarious family dinner. Uh, I firmly believe, Trev, I firmly believe that you can't give away that which you do not possess. And mm. you're, you're now in possession of so many beautiful attributes and, and you can mm. be happy for other people because you're happy within yourself. You can give that, you can mm. express that happiness. Um, you can, you can give to your kids so much, um, that you've attained. Through, through all of your experiences. But the biggest thing, I think, is that you are open to learning you, and that's what most, uh, so many people are shut off or closed off because they see it as I'm, I'm, I'm deficient again, that, uh, that embarrassment, shame. Uh, I don't, I, so many people are afraid to say the word, the sentence, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. you're, oh, you're, that's, that, that's that closed mind know. again, Nick. Yeah, yeah, but but you you've signed up for the curriculum and you've attained all this this stuff and and you're in a beautiful position and your kids are so fortunate. So congratulations on yeah. So on you know that's the gold medal for for me. That's success within yourself. Yeah, thank so. You. And and that that comes back with a to whatever degree that is fully in me and that is constantly more and more. It comes back with that degree of 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 peace, of relaxation, and joy. I don't have to do anything to be joyful, you know, and mm. I'm not bound to do – I can be sit still and I close my eyes and go straight into joy most of the time, 
you know, and then if it's mm-hmm. not Joyce, you know, I go, oh, what's that? And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and then I find the old winner still sitting in there on the need to be right or need to be in pack up control. I go, oh, where'd that come from? <laughs> Explore it. <laughs> and then, but when I'm sitting there in that joy, I don't go, I'm going to sit on a mountaintop. I actually go, oh, I'm going to go catch up with my mates or I'm going to go fishing or I'm going to mm-hmm. go for a ride with my wife or I'm going to, um, I don't know, return that phone call that was one of those six o'clocks that, you know, I haven't felt up to doing for a little while. I'm going to return it right now, you know. It, it's, I don't know, we're just on, we're on a journey and we have all our own answers um, and where they're not obviously coming out from inside of you, just be with someone else and, you know, the answer will reflect back from them, you know, where we don't have the answers or where we seemingly don't have it, they'll come through someone else. And I, I did sit in a big meeting the other day where I'm a leader of an organisation and we got called together to explain why we weren't able to do this thing. And and they said, so why didn't this happen? And I said, I don't know. You know, what's the, what's the solution to this not happening again? I don't know, but let's explore why. But let's place. explore it. Let's explore it. You know, why do you think it happened? And then we worked out that the people were trying to help us had the wrong idea of why it happened in the first place. And it's like, well, you're not going to help us when, when you think that's it because someone told you that. Are they part of the problem? And I'm like, we go, oh, we actually can see what you're doing here. Oh, we know. And, and re- immediately the thing that should have taken six months to create a change in resources was solved mostly within a week, you know, because there was alignment Amazing. amongst all people. It was like a different, turning up to a different reality five days later was like, this is all changed from that's the willing- that, that's, that's available to you, mate. That's available to you to, 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 to go through that process and have that experience. You know, you're talking about the this, uh, the, the three disses before from your teacher. Um, I can't remember them. Uh, oh. Or Mrs. Misunderstanding. There's, there's oh, yeah, three, yeah. three sort of key things yeah. that it all not, comes not, uh, de- Desperate need, the desperate need to be loved, understood. Desperate. Not- yeah. So at MindFit, we have the, the three amigos. Uh, I must be loved and liked. I must be perfect and I must get what I want. They're, uh, they're the three, yeah, they're the three tox- toxic beliefs. And if yeah, someone's going, yeah. I must be perfect, I, I must have all the, if they're operating on that belief or operating system, they're not going to be in a position where they can go, oh, I don't know, but let's explore it. You know, they're going to be in fear and those parameters are going to be really tight and they're going to be triggered and they're not going to be in the driver's seat whatsoever. And it's just going to be, oh, oh this and blame, judge, criticize, condemn. Yeah, it's, it's, I love I love yeah, the triangle. I love the triangle that on your, your chest there, right? Is that those three things yeah. you're trying, and you go, I must maintain the illusion that I'm perfect because that's the only way to get what I want, which is love yeah. to be loved ultimately. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, so you, you, you they're all linked. They're all does the spiral, you know, and then it's like, oh yeah. wow. So I, I must be feeling in lack. You know, I'm living yeah. in lack. Is, oh, I'm I feel the number one mindset that I find I've done, you know, near 10,000 hours of one on one work with people now. And the number one mindset I find in myself and everybody else is not good enough. And that's in a triangle mm-hmm. not good enough, mm-hmm. um, not done enough, um, never be enough. Not, not good yeah. enough, never be enough, never done enough. You know, and, and so that operates in a little trilogy with a whole other things around it. But it's this idea, this illusion that we're not good enough. In fact, you hold the spirit and the intuition to change anything. You are like what the substance of God is made of. That's what a human being is deep in their intrinsic beingness. So how, where's this phantom come from that says I'm not good enough? 
you know, because it creates a self-fulfilling, you know, prophecy and we start acting like we're not good enough because we've bought the perception that we're not. But even when we screw up, it doesn't mean we're not good enough. It just means that I lost my way or I wasn't aware of my, all my choices or all my possibilities. So it's not really good or bad. It's just conscious or unconscious. It's aware or unaware. It's connected or disconnected. It's it's open or closed. It's They're, they're the simple ones to realize in the end because you open back up and you realize that, I know exactly where I need to be next, and I don't even know where that information came from. So I'm I, I, slaughter, I slaughter client. I slaughter client once they you know, because I said <clears throat> you don't actually get to decide your worth. You don't get yeah. to decide that you are good enough or bad enough. Everyone is equal. We are all so we're all invaluable. So I'm sorry, yeah. I'm calling bullshit on that, <laughs> and they're like, oh fuck, bitch, bitch, yeah. Well, this could this could be a this could be a seven day podcast, but we're gonna have yes, to start. Yeah. Okay, we'll do we'll do part so, two another time. That'd be great. Yeah, no, we'll have to. We'll have to. And come fishing up at Agnes one day if you if you pop up this way. Let's catch up and. I'd love to come yeah, and connect. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, yeah, mate. Man, for sure. You spoke about um, you know, frequency and energy towards the start of the podcast, and I hope that people listening have picked up on it the way that myself and Nick have for the last ninety plus minutes or so, mate. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of that uh, incredible wisdom. Is there somewhere that um you might want to point the listeners, whether it's to get in contact with you or your work, or maybe just some resources that 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 you found helpful? Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, certainly, I've got my own little website, trevorhendy.com. And it's very rarely gets changed or updated, but it's a great way to get in contact with me if you need to. Doing some really beautiful, powerful um, breath work. I work with Mark Kluwer, um, one of the great Wim Hof and other breath specialists in Australia, and Kane Johnson, um, who was twice Adelaide Premiership player and Richmond captain and mm-hmm. lived with the monks in China for a little while. And the three of us, the three amigos, we've got to connect you guys with them to have conversations too. You'll love having right. some conversations yeah, with them. Um, but um, where it's so powerful to have three men come together who are just as vulnerable as the 15 men to turn up and do workshops with us. So we're doing some really yeah. cool men's retreats in Victoria. Um, my wife and I are doing, we've got a couple's, um, couple's retreat, just a one-day retreat at our house here on the Gold Coast um, coming up at the end of January, 28th of January. And so we're doing some really cool things. But trevorhandy.com, just to follow, or Handy Trev on Instagram. I try and put things on here and there, but... I just like people connecting so they can be part of the community so we can all connect mm. with each other. And that's what I do. Like I find out more about Nick's work and I go, you need to work with Nick and you need to go and see so-and-so. And I just see mm. collectively together there's some incredible people out there that can help people, you know, acquire this level of awareness or relief from their suffering that they want to get. Um, so, yeah, just join me, come along. And, and all I can say to you guys is I love you fellas and I appreciate it and I feel a brotherhood that's just woken up and away we go. It's just going boom. And it, it's interesting that you point out the triangle because that's actually an A for Acacia retreats, which is what okay. we're calling the property here. So okay. I'm up here setting this up to host and hold retreats as well. So okay. we'll run our own, but we'll have other people coming and run their own retreats here too. So if ah. you're in the hood, man, pop in. Okay, cool. And Acacia is, yeah. of course, of powerful Australian shrub. So it's... Um, but it's also the, the ether. It's the fifth element. There are all the other elements exist within um, the, the space. So it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Medication okay. records and, and, as well. And, 
Yeah, Akashic Records. And Acacia is, um, um, well, the Acacia tree in Australia is the Australian yeah. version of ayahuasca. It's the Australian version yeah, right. of, of the mother. It's, it, it's actually, it's a, it's a DMT, you know, releasing thing. It's like Acacia is a very interesting thing. And our whole country, deep country of Australia, is actually built around Acacia. Acacia is everywhere, you know. So that's a yeah, deep right. part of Indigenous traditions as well and, so it's funny, acacia and acacia and all the different versions of it. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. And the last thing I'll mention too is the Life Changer Foundation. Um, people can look it up, lifechangerfoundation.org.au um, or lifechanger.org.au. It's, um, it's a non-for-profit that Scotty Waters and I started um, in Victoria that's now spreading right through New South Wales and Queensland, South Australia, New Zealand, and it's a youth foundation and it basically goes into schools and communities. Sponsors come on board and provide programs for kids to go through this program. There's now we'll do we'll have ten thousand kids will go through that this year to get a sense of self-worth. Um, and there'll be a thousand new mentors created this year from off the back of all that sort of stuff as well. So and if we don't ride in on awesome. the white horse, the team go in and they activate the community and the community rescues itself. And so all the people that want to work with kids, they're truly ready for it. And they go through training and everything to actually be mentors in the community. And there's a simple five-pillar philosophy that feeds you know, all these beautiful things. So people can check that out as well, lifechanger.org.au. It's just um, so that they know it's there for their kids or other people. If they want to bring it to their community, just throw an inquiry in there to the team. Awesome. I highly encourage people to check that out. I'm going to jump on and have a bit of a look as soon as we jump off here, Trevor. I've already jumped fantastic. on. I've, You're already on. Okay. I've literally... I've literally just jumped on. I feel like I feel like we've also got a low key tour of your property throughout this interview. Yeah, you've moved yeah, locations yeah. about four times. Yeah, it was working. it was really hot. The computer I was I was out in the sun and the computer was heating up, and yeah. then I was a little bit far away from the internet. Yeah. So I'm sort of yeah, just moving where I need to go. This is life, mate. This is the perfect podcast. Thank you so much. We're in the we're in the shack. So in the thanks, show. Trev. Um, thanks, thanks for thanks for being so receptive to when I reached out to you. Thanks for no. bringing all your wisdom and insights today, and, and, and the connection was was. Thanks for the on, space. Um, uh, appreciate yeah, the um, love and the, the mateship. It's good. I'm sure. I'm sure we we will see each other again in some way in the not too distant future. Yeah, no, thank you, guys. Beautiful. Brilliant. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, uh, for friend. tuning yes. in. Um, let us know what you took out of this episode. We'd love to hear because there's a lot of gold in there. And we'll see you all next week. Peace out. for tuning into the woke blokes podcast please don't forget to subscribe to the show also leave us a five-star rating we thank you so much and we'll see you all next time